Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ooh, ooh. What up? This is Bobby Garcia again. Cool Bob Love. You're not checking out. Scoopy Radio, you heard? What's up? It's your boy, Lil Bibby. Boy, Duffel Bag Ran. It's Dr. Shaquille O'Neal. Hey, yo, check this out, son. Yeah. Watch out, watch man. out. You're now listening to Scoopy Radio. Everybody, please turn up the stereo. Tell a friend to tell a friend to let the family know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scoop about to take the glow. Man, yeah, we're about to blow. Yeah. Five, four, three, we on the air. I know they gon' love this one, I swear. He what you needed, what you wanna. Yeah. He's the man with the plan. You uh, need the scoop, he got the scoop, he got the truth and man he out, he rang a bell, you know it's brother in the views to get pills. Now listen to yeah. radio, everybody please turn up the stereo, tell a friend to tell a friend to let the family know, yeah yeah yeah, scoop about to take the glow, man yeah we're about to blow, yeah. Man, man. Man. On Instagram no. now, follow him, at Scoop B, follow him, Scoop yeah. B, radio, in your area code. On the plane, on the train, everywhere you need to be. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoopy. And make sure to subscribe to the Scoopy Radio Podcast on all podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitch app, app, or simply visiting ScoopyRadio.com. Make sure to also uh, follow me on Instagram and Snapchat at Scoop for being Scoopy Radio. We're everywhere. We're making things happen. And on the line right now is a lady who knows all things Los Angeles Lakers. It's none other than my homegirl out west from the Los Angeles Sentinel. And hello, Joe Media. It's none other than the big homie, Lauren Jones. Welcome to Scoop B Radio. Well, thank you for that gracious introduction. And I'm excited to be on. Yes, the Lakers. They're doing their thing. I I, I joke around with... with, uh, my people out, out west, I say it's not people here. We say Lakers, y'all say Likers, and I joke because I I think that one thing that I have learned over the last year, year and a half, is the Lakers have fans everywhere. You go to a Bulls game, you see Lakers fans in the stands. You see, you go to the Garden, you see Lakers 
jerseys, whether it's Kobe, whether it's LeBron, whether it's Shaq, what have you. Um, you've been around the Lakers all season, um, and, and I believe this is year two of you covering the Lakers. What is that experience like for you? Yes, it has been honestly a dream. Uh, I grew up in Los Angeles, born and raised, never left. Um, my career started here at Fox Sports, so I have been close to the Lakers since I my earliest memories of you know being around the NBA, and I had the great fortune of um, you know being really close friends with um, Magic Johnson's son in high school and. You know, I used to go to the games with the, their family, and so that was – I had no choice but to like the Lakers, really. Um, and so now to be covering them and to have a business type of relationship with Magic along with a personal one and some of the other, you know, just players in, in that organization, it just feels unreal. I still walk into Staples Center and get chills. I'm like, this. I'm living my dream. Um Obviously, that's not my full-time job. I do also um, podcast produce and um, do some project management at Uninterrupted, but it's those moments of feeling like I'm I'm this close. Um, and in year two, I feel a lot more comfortable with just, you know, getting to know the personnel on the team and you know, the other reporters and such. So it, it's been a pure joy. You are... Uh... Uh, rich in Lakers history. Uh, you talked about going to school with Magic Johnson's son. You talked about, you know, just year two of your journey. Uh, for those who are paying attention, you see those behind-the-scenes videos with the Lujo Media uh, logo or the watermark. Uh, that is Lauren Lauren. It has really immersed herself into social media, uh, which I think is um, something that has coronavirus and people are home. Uh, you're seeing in, in real time that convergence between TV and social media. Did you chase TV or was social media always your focus? Well, I wanted to be an on-air broadcaster. That's what I went to school for. And uh, I was fortunate enough to have opportunities to see the digital side of things pretty early on. Um, And so I realized that you know, maybe broadcast isn't the way that I reach the audience that I want to. Um, now I've been welcomed into Laker Nation, and uh, especially on Twitter, which I appreciate. But um, I think I realize that there's community building online, and there's a power in being able to, you know, have your videos be text and group chats and you know, before they even know what I look like or who I am, they might have seen one of my videos. And so I, I really um, have have found the power in social media and being able to really, um, beyond just, you know, tweeting and giving hot takes or reporting the news, you know, getting to meet some of these people, you know, at Laker games and, and really feel like it's a community and a family of, of sorts, a very weird and diverse family, but... One nonetheless. So, yeah, I think I've realized that this could be my niche and my way in. And just like, you know, the women who have come before me and Taylor Rooks and, um, you know, Ross Golden Woodays and women who are really breaking into the digital space, Brittany Elena's, um, I'm just realizing that there's, you know, an ability and flexibility and certain autonomy that 
my skill set could better maybe lend itself even to the digital space. But definitely broadcast was my, and still is to an extent, um, my goal. Scoopy Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Tune App, ScoopyRadio.com, on the line with Lauren Jones of the Los Angeles uh, Center, as well as the, uh, her own brand, uh, Lojo Media. Uh, one of the videos that I saw uh, most recently, I had been paying attention to you for a while, um, and, but the thing that I noticed with you recently, is, and I, I've seen a couple other people do it, but you do it differently, is that walk through the tunnel at Staples Center uh, where guys are shaking hands, communicating, and just saying different things. Why is the why is the tunnel? Why is that area such a um, popular area in Staples Center to get video? Well, I just started doing it because I know that for me as a fan, I want to see what nobody else is getting to see. A lot of people have visibility on the court. They have visibility sometimes in the locker room, um, you know, from different TV partners. But that's like, to me, a sacred space where so many interactions happen. And I actually have been doing it for a a while, ever since I started covering sports, whether it was um, the Rams, the Chargers, uh, the Clippers, and now the Lakers. And so I just kind of continued to do that. and, And you know, the first video that obviously really went viral was the Rob Polinka pacing back and forth. But um, even last year, I was looking at some of the videos that I had last year when, you know, the younger core was there. He was doing the same thing. He would stand in the tunnel after the games and ask whether it was a win or a loss. And, you know, he would greet the players. Um, so I have, I have like, tons and tons of tunnel videos. I, I realized that I might uh, – find a TikTok career in, in casting um, <laughs> videos. But um, I think it's just to me, I want to be where the fans aren't and giving them the access that I'm sure that like I would want. Um, and so that's kind of where it started. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy it caught on, but I've gotten shut down recently. I don't know if you noticed, but I haven't been posting them because they started closing the curtain. I'm like, well, if they make rules about you, you know, specifically for you, then I guess you're doing something right. So. They closed the curtain? They closed the curtain. Yep. How recent? Um, they started doing it maybe around February, I want to say. It was, I think I had one other video that went pretty viral. I think it was LeBron shouting, like, easy money after a game. And then after that, the PR strictly instructed the security to close the curtains after every game. So, so, your, new, so your new location was, like, right by, like, that, that area where the, 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 the team comes under the tunnel right to where they get ready to make that walk and walk and make that turn to go into the locker room. That's a different position than where you were before. Well, I can't give away all of my trade secrets. Okay, here, got you. Um, but I will say that I just found other ways uh, to capture, and sometimes I just have to be. Sometimes I just get lucky, and there's a new security guard there, and he doesn't know the protocol, gotcha. <laughs> but, or you know whatever have you. But um, yeah, I just kind of I take the opportune moments, and you know I also just see what my um, you know fellow colleagues are doing, other writers and reporters, and see how I can get creative with you know finding new my new signature, whatever that may be. So, 
So the two other videos that I noticed that you did that, that hit social media, one, when, Jan, when the Milwaukee Bucks and the Lakers played against each other, um, the recent that that week where they played the they played that Friday and then they, the Clippers and the Lakers played that that Sunday and that Friday, I understand or we just saw social media through your lens that uh, Giannis you know under the combo of the of the Bucks uh, and his brother had gotten into some shouting match and they were speaking Greek to someone else. What did yeah. you see? What provoked you to actually take that video? Well, um, similarly, I just happened to be in the right place, right time kind of thing. And, um, you know, I was getting him coming out. I always just keep my phone out because I'm like, you never know when something's going to happen. And it just happened to casually come across my lens. So I, uh, you know, captured it. But basically there was a fan and I thought he was speaking in Greek and saying positive things. But, um... Giannis's brother, Thanasis, his response, like, I was like, clearly he's upset. And so then Giannis turns around when he hears Thanasis yelling and runs back up and finally uh, obviously got the translation of what was being said, and they were not nice to these at all, quite the opposite. But um, it was like a huge shouting match that could have, you know, escalated very quickly but luckily the right person that was there to break things up but yeah it was crazy I was just like what is going on I have no idea what's being said but it looks intense so yeah typically how long do you wait do you is it like a, I see the video and I tweet it I wait a couple of days is it right there like when from a journalist perspective and from a social media expert's perspective when do you make a judgment call of when you put stuff out yeah, honestly, I beat myself up a lot because sometimes, I mean, I'm always going for accuracy first, um, you know, and making sure that I'm hitting the proper protocols because I have, you know, had some learning curves with tweeting too fast and not, you know, getting all of the details. Um, so I, I tend to, if it's just pure video, I'm just describing what's happening in the video, then okay. I put my watermark on there and get it up as soon as possible, especially if I think it's something that, you know, isn't exclusive. Um, then, you know, when it comes to like some, I get a lot of video, obviously I was going through and looking at some of the footage that I could repurpose now while there's, you know, it's kind of dormant and the NBA is suspended. Um, and I have hours and hours of footage that I haven't released um and so I just try to think of what you know is a smart time if there's a birthday and there's a cool video I got of a player or um you know if it's a they've passed a certain uh, milestone in their career or whatever have you then I kind of repurpose that video then but mainly if, if I think it's something that could catch on or that you know is interesting um to me as a fan, because I'm a fan first, you know, I'm a journalist and I've been trained and gone to school for it, but I am a Lakers fan first at heart, so, and not apologetic about it. Um, so, you know, I think if it's something that I would want to see, I tend to like try to get it out as quickly as possible, but try to be as accurate as possible as well. Anthony Davis, uh, to me, his personality and his, and his, and his vibe is very infectious in that locker room. To be honest with you, I think he mellows out LeBron. Um, what has been your experience with Davis and, and really just the chemistry that he has with both of you as a media person and with that Lakers locker room? Yeah, you know, it's it's so funny because just when I felt like I was really good gathering my bearings on, you know, developing relationships, 
um, you know, in friendships with some of the guys last year and Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, um, you know, Lonzo and those guys, you know, the whole pretty much young core was traded. And so I had to start all over again with building these relationships. And it takes time um, for players to get to know you and to have a certain level of comfort and rapport. And sometimes it never happens. But um, with Anthony Davis, um, you know, it was actually pretty immediate that I felt like a certain level of comfort. And, you know, I think it's, like you said, it's his infectious personality. He's very down to earth, very cool. Um, you know, and like you said, I think he does bring some really great qualities out in LeBron. And I think that they've developed this, this really uh, unique little brother, big brother bond, even though AD obviously is taller than Bron. Um, and it's, it's really cool because their lockers are, you know, next to each other. Obviously, there's a, well, not obviously, but there is a um, lock, empty locker in between them. But their lockers sit on one wall, and then, you know, the rest of the team is kind of around the other surrounding walls. And so you get to see them, you know, get dressed next to each other and, and you know, crack jokes back and forth and talk about what wine they're going to drink that night or, you know, where they're going to go after the game you know whatever it is and so you get to really just see their fun playful dynamic their you know talk crap during each other's interviews under their breath it's fun and so um you know at first I was a little nervous because I'm like he is a superstar and he's one of the most elite players and dominant players in the league and so I had to realize like oh he's 26 I'm 26 like we're the same age so treat him accordingly and it's, I think as soon as I kind of got that um it really started to feel like, like you know, you were developing a, a really good working relationship. Um, so I'm appreciative that even though these guys are huge stars and, you know, it, it could feel weird for, you know, a lot of people to interview them on a regular basis or to interact with them. It's, you have to realize they're not too far off from you uh, in terms of age and, uh, you know, what they pay attention to with their likes music wise I mean LeBron right before this all really blew up um, was listening to the new Janae Aiko album and I had just finished it you know so it's just you just have to try to find the similarities and the human aspects of a lot of these players to realize like they're just like you how happy are you that Brandon Ingram was having the season that he's having oh I'm so happy for him he was easily I, I probably have mentioned him a couple times one of my favorite players to cover uh, even though he whispers <laughs> um, I really did develop, um, you know, a cool relationship with him. I went to his like first ever event outside of um, Staples Center, and you know, his dad was there, and so I got to meet his family and just see a different side of him. And he's very, uh, you know, southern, you know, draw. Like it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's fun to see how well he's doing, and I knew that he has that capability and ability, and I'm happy that he found some consistency in the right environment to be able to shine. LeBron James and Anthony Davis's pick and roll. Um, AD told me that uh, it's more, that LeBron told him that their, their pick and roll was more peanut butter and banana sandwich and not quite yet peanut butter and jelly. Um, do, you, do you see peanut butter and jelly yet, or do you think it's still that peanut butter and banana status? Well, I think the amount that they utilize that is what's really the disservice. I mean, that is the, you know, surefire way to win ball games. 
easily. And, um, you know, I just don't think it's used, utilized enough. Um, so in that way, I would say it's peanut butter banana. But when you see it happen, you're like, whoa, this is art. I mean, it is really art. Um, and so I think it, it comes with, you know, I think a certain level of just comfortability on the court together. And I think they develop, they're developing that. And hopefully, you know, after their 14 day quarantine, there'll be some, um, return to normalcy that they can maybe, you know, find ways to get in the gym together. But I think once that really clicks, it will be the total difference maker in giving every team that they face problems. And I think when it's executed properly, which to there's many games in which we've seen it done really well, um, that the win. It's a dub every time. Why do you think LeBron James and his, I guess, maybe his his connection to Los Angeles and the media and fans in year one versus year two? What are the biggest differences that you've noticed? Winning versus losing. <laughs> That's, you know, a big difference maker. And I know that after the trade deadline, it was very clear that the chemistry that might have been developed halfway into the season last year, even though they weren't winning games, um, had just kind of totally been dismantled by that trade deadline. And, you know, LeBron being kind of not, he really wasn't outspoken about wanting Anthony Davis, but he was very clear that that was where he wanted Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, just chemistry-wise, winning solves a lot in terms of, of you know, locker room even you know back in the day you could say there's Jack and Kobe you know feuds um but I think like I said when you're winning ball games things tend to be a lot easier a lot less tension um and so the Laker nation of course is just happy to be winning again happy to be back on top of the league um because we've waited quite a while sure <laughs> So, yeah, I think it's, it's that. And then also, he, I think, was getting his, his feet wet, figuring out, you know, what his um, relationship was to Los Angeles. And I think, you know, having worked for Uninterrupted, which is a media company based in L.A., and then also, well, athlete empowerment company, excuse me, um, based in L.A., and also, you know, seeing the producer, Braun, the you know, the entrepreneur, Braun, and also the basketball players, I think he's really figured it out, um, his balance. As a journalist, how – I can speak to this because he was in Brooklyn and he came to Los Angeles, but for you, have you found that a player like Jared Dudley is literally the proverbial fly on the wall for the journalist? Uh, absolutely. He is gold. I <laughs> mean, a, a journalist's dream, a reporter's dream, is to talk to Jared, uh, Jared Dudley, right? I mean, just the ultimate veteran, still so youthful and hilarious, um, and gives you all of the sound bites and all of the behind the scenes that you want. Um, and so, I think he's just the perfect vet, and and obviously. Um, knowing what his capabilities are on the court and that he doesn't have to do much of anything, uh, you know, besides bring his energy and, um, you know, basketball IQ and mentorship to this team. Sure. I mean, 
it's a pretty good deal for both have of you, Have you found that Kyle Kuzma is a natural when asking questions? And that at the same time with him being a natural, you still got to be so descriptive to get the answer that you may be looking for? I think he learned early on what the L.A. media is all about. And right. He got a crash course. Um, you know, obviously, when you find success, people are going to flock to you. And it doesn't hurt that he has a great personality, fun sense of style, just, you know, is, is very L.A. now. Right. Um, and so he learned early on how to handle and, and to be careful about his words. Um, and so I think he just does a good job of protecting himself and covering his bases, really. Are you missing basketball yet? You know, I have to be honest. The first few weeks, I was just catching my breath because what a lot of people don't know about this job is that, you know, just as much as beat writers and reporters are, you know, traveling with the team. Well, I have a full-time job, a nine-to-five, and most times I was leaving my, and sometimes nine-to-six, nine-to-seven, so I was leaving my job and going straight to Staples Center, and I would be there until, you know, 11.30, 12, 12.30 a.m., um, and so it was it was grueling, and I was at, you know, the, the kind of three-fourths of the way through the season where you're just like, how many more games are left? What else? What day is it? Who are we playing? You know? Who's on that team? So I think for the first few weeks, I was kind of just relieved to be able to, um, you know, catch my breath a little bit. But now I'm definitely, especially these instances in particular, um, itching to get back to uh, Staples Center, but wanting to make sure that everybody, first and foremost, is safe and, you know, taking care of themselves and that this pandemic just gets under control. Lojo Media, Lauren Jones on the line with Scoopy Scoop Radio, talking Radio. everything. The Lakers, her childhood, uh, her full-time job, as well as just all of the fun facts and tidbits about being around uh, the Lakers, who you know are, are one of the teams expected uh, to make a, a championship run, a championship push in the NBA's Western Conference. You being Los Angeles born and raised, uh, that other team uh, that that shares uh, that are co-tenants with the Lakers, the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, are also a team that is uh, has, they have high hopes. You have Kawhi Leonard, you have Paul George, but you also have a core movement, Montrezl Harrell, Lou Williams, uh, former Laker Ivica Subak, as well as many other um, people. I'm gonna start off. No sore spot. <laughs> Why? Because I mean, we traded him for Mike Muscala. <laughs> I mean, I was just livid. Now, obviously, things have worked out for both teams, and I'm happy for him, and yada, yada. But, man, did I love Zubac. I just thought his skill set was, you know, really great. And, you know, at the time, I think we were kind of thin on the big front. I mean, obviously, now we have Dwight and uh, JaVale holding it down. Um, but, yeah, I was, I was a little sad. We didn't talk about Dwight Howard, and I would imagine he is another guy that is that is a breath of fresh air, particularly because he had something to prove. Uh, what do you like about Dwight Howard in the Lakers uh, system? Wow. I mean, he has just carved out such a unique role. And I think, you know, you asked me about Brandon Ingram and how happy I am for him. I am equally as happy for Dwight Howard, who – 
from day one, you could just see the focus and intention on his face. And he's been so, you know, positive for these guys. He's been uh, such a uh, a joy to work with also. And just he fits in seamlessly to what the Lakers can do. And, I mean, when, you know, Javel needs a break, you know, I mean, it's the, the length of this team is like so scary and when we saw it on paper we're like oh yeah like there's you know one of the longest teams in the league and you know they could stretch four it could be great but to watch it in action and to see you know that he just whatever he needs to do rebounding defending I mean he's just he's doing it and you know for him to to be in the dunk contest this year and I just he's just been really a, a, a pure bright spot for the Lakers and unexpected in many ways I think for many people I mean we you know we're talking about a lot of other things other than his basketball capabilities but both on and off the court he has been nothing but the consummate professional and um also one of my favorite locker room guys just easily uh so yeah Danny Green scored 28 points in the season opener uh Lakers sharpshooter Danny Green scored 28 points in the Lakers this uh Season opener uh, against the Los Angeles Clippers, a home game for the Clippers at Staples yep. Center. Um, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, uh, Kyle Kuzma. Well, Kuzma wasn't playing at that point. Now it was Rondo. Yeah. Uh, everybody was still trying to figure it out. Um, what do you think is the biggest difference between uh, opening night for the Lakers and the Clippers versus uh, the third game of the season that they played? They played on Christmas. They played. Uh, they played again right before um, the NBA shut down uh, because of the coronavirus pandemic. What is is it like night and day uh, between not just the Lakers but also the Clippers? What do you see from both teams? Oh no, I don't think it's night and day. The Clippers have been pretty consistent in in their matchups against the Lakers, um, and we didn't have you know the Lakers didn't have Kyle Kuzma, but you know the Clippers didn't have Paul George. So there was two key pieces of both teams, and honestly, I, I kind of like what LeBron has uh, said in some interviews. I don't really take too much stock in, um, you know, that first game. It was a lot of hype, but neither team, I mean, this is a pretty much new put-together team for the Lakers, and two major parts of the Clippers, you know, were just figuring things out, and one wasn't even healthy. So um, I think the second matchup, you know, was definitely a better showing of, what these two teams look like, but there was still some uncertainty um, as to like the Lakers rotations and lineups, et cetera. And so this third matchup I know was definitely circled on the Lakers and Clippers calendars, but especially the Lakers and just wanting to prove that they could beat the team in the regular season. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think now we have a much better sense, but again, we're going to have to go back to the drawing board because these guys are, you know, I don't know what, level of shape um, both of these teams are in but they've been able to get rest but not really been able to practice with their teammates or you know work out together and so we will see if the season does resume you know if they do end up being what a lot of people are projecting to be the western conference final matchup so do you see it as a western conference finals matchup at this point i do um, but I wouldn't be surprised if another team did sneak in there. Um, I'm not going to be quoted on which teams I'm going down, but I think, uh, you know, yeah, there's, there's other teams that, that potentially could sneak in there. And, um, but I do think 
as of now, they the number one, number two um, team. Yeah, definitely. We'll be ready on the line with Lauren Jones Media. Where do you ultimately see yourself um, going with what you're doing? You talked about working in 95 and then the Lakers. I would imagine you want to do this as a full-time career. Yes? I definitely wanted to do content production on air in some capacity. Um, ideally, it would be, you know, hosting my own show, but I have a lot of autonomy in pr- producing because I do have the production background um, from my time at Fox Sports and ESPN. Um, but, yeah, some kind of digital show that's NBA-focused. Um, you know, I love what Taylor Rooks is doing with Take It There with Bleacher Report. Um, and so if I could find a home somewhere – where I could produce content um, on a consistent basis that I'm on air talent and having some say in the production, that would be ideal. And they can keep being able to crank out these viral videos, of course. <laughs> crank that like Soldier Boy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, what's, what's one thing that you've learned about yourself uh, as you've been home? in this process uh, during as a, as a journalist during coronavirus? What is one thing that you've learned about yourself? Yeah, I think one thing that I've learned about myself is that I'm capable of balancing the different hats that I hold. Um, there just has to be a certain level of, of sacrifice, first off, um, dedication, and organization. So methods to my madness. And so that's what I've really been honing in on is figuring out how to create processes that work for me. And that when things get crazy and I'm in the middle of a season, that I am able to compartmentalize, okay, today I have this, this, and that, but I have a Laker game this evening. How can I best, you know, um, capitalize on my opportunity of being, you know, in these environments? Because, I mean, I was taking them for granted, but who knows what the season looks like or if there is a season. So, um, you know, I think realizing the blessings before me um, and really wanting to make the most out of the opportunities that I have in front of me. That's what I've been learning. Favorite interview that you've done thus far this season? Uh, it would have to be um, the first time I got to do a one-on-one with Anthony Davis. I think that really uh, set the tone for me to understand um, that I have, like I said, a unique opportunity as one of the only Black women covering the Lakers to develop and um, a relationship with players that stands beyond, you know, that game night and and really finding those unique stories um, that push my boundaries and my and challenge me to be a better journalist. Um, so I, you know, felt like that was the beginning of a really great, um, I don't want to misspeak, but a great way, indicator of how this season would go for me if I just continued to show up, be on time, be together, be prepared, um, and because it, it just, you know, I didn't expect it to happen, but it did, and so, you know, being ready to ask some tough questions and find what the lines are there with, um, you know, a new 
host of personnel in the locker room was really cool, and for it to be one of the stars of the Lakers was even better. Lonzo Ball uh, is from the Southern California, Los Angeles area. Um, yep. For some time. You got excited. Why? Gino Hill. <laughs> I mean, I think, like I said, I, I will always have a very special place in my heart because just like it was some of their, you know, rookie sophomore seasons, it was mine. And so I felt a, a certain level of relatability to a lot of those guys that um, ended up in New Orleans. So, um, yeah, Lonzo is one of them. And, you know, obviously the greater Los Angeles area is pretty small when it comes to the basketball community. So, um yeah, brings a smile to my face to hear those names. How was your connectivity with him while you were working? It was um, a lot more distant than I would say some of the other guys, just because he was really quiet mm-hmm. um, and kind of to himself. And obviously, there was a lot of attention around him because of his dad, Lavar, and um, I think he learned it's better to say less. Less is more. Um, in those instances, but um, to see him develop, you know, this year and to take a, another step forward in his basketball career with less pressure, um, I was happy to see um, his numbers this year and, you know, him shooting more from three. And yeah, I think I didn't have as close of a relationship with him um, as some of the other players, but I definitely, uh, you know, have followed him, you know, since he was at UCLA. I was a Trojan, so um, that that rivalry is not too far um, from my memory either. And uh, yeah, I think I, I've had a chance to cover both of his brothers now um, at the Drew League and um, when uh, Lamella was at UCLA for that time. So just gotten to see the entire Ball family. <laughs> you talked about the Drew League and. For me, I, I have not gotten a chance to, to come out to L.A. during the Drew League. But um, when I hear about the Drew League, locally here, it reminds me the, the, the respect and the, and the candor that people have about Drew League. It reminds me a lot of when people discuss Rocker Park and Drew, and the Dykeman League local mm-hmm. league here. Um, I, I've seen that you've done a lot of extensive coverage with the Drew League, whether it be, you know, James Harden and, you know, the the Swaggy P. And, I mean, what is Drew League like in the summertime? Woo! Oh, man, that's literally where I got my start from reporting. That was in 2012 was my first summer covering the Drew League. And there were very few other reporters there. And I um, – got a chance to work with Nike to develop their website and the content on it. And it was an incredible experience. It's not, it's like nothing else you can ever describe for people to really understand. But my best way of describing it is you walk into a gym. Now they have air conditioning, but back in the day, they didn't have air conditioning and it's like July. Are you fancy, huh? Oh yeah. Now they have, now they have air conditioning. They, they stepped it up, but um, back in the day, you would go in there and you'd be sweating. You're like, you know, shoulder to shoulder with people because the gym is so packed um, and you never know who's going to walk in. Um, I can count on, you know, a number of hands like you, the, the door is open and it's James or it's Paul George or it's Kobe or it's LeBron. You just never know who's going to walk in the gym. And I think that that 
X factor of just having that excitement about basketball in the summer is just something that you'll never get. And then you go to the snack bar and you grab your Druid, like it's an entire culture. And then you have random people sitting courtside, like a D Wade or Gabrielle Union, like you just never know. And so it's, it's, it's in the heart of Watts, which is like, to me, the best part, like, you know, close to Compton and, you know, the Jordan Downs projects, it borders like, and, you know, it's just a safe haven where people can come and have fun and it's people of all different races, all different backgrounds, you know, all different experiences, both on and off the court and something like it. I, I love the Drew League. <laughs> what does Kobe Bryant mean to the fabric of Los Angeles, the city? Oh man, uh, he's definitely synonymous with with that. In um, his his reach is all up and through the streets of Los Angeles. You can feel it. You can. Uh, it's almost tangible. Um, I have a really. I've always loved Kobe. I I love his domineering, um, relentless, unapologetic willingness to be great and demand that out of the people that he surrounds himself with, surrounded himself with. It's even weird to talk about him in past tense, but he is L.A. uh, through and through, and that is still felt for me uh, daily. still think about him daily and I think a lot of LA um, we saw just the outpouring of love and support and how much he unifies people um, just based on his greatness and what he gave to the city and man it will never be the same and it's I, you know coincidentally we're talking about this on the day that a year since Nipsey uh, was shot and killed um and those are two legends for me that will always live on. So, uh, what was your two-part question? Do you remember the first time you watched Kobe play live? Oh, in in person or yeah, yeah. Actually, my one of my good friends from high school. Um, every year, she had her her family has great season tickets to uh, the Lakers. And every year when we were in college, she would choose a game for us to be able to go to over winter break. And uh, I didn't get to go to Kobe's last game. I didn't get to go to his retirement ceremony. Um, But I did get to go to his game uh, against, it was against the Pelicans because we went to high school with Drew Holiday, so we always tried to, if it lined up, we always tried to go to the, one of those games. And uh, Kobe dropped, like, I think, like, 30-something. And he was at the free-throw line, and he just, he looked over, and it wasn't at us, but it was at somebody he knew, and he winked, and I was just like, and then he, like, knocked down two more free-throws, and I was just like, dude, this guy, this guy's a legend. Uh, you know, and that was, before I even had any thought about, you know, being a reporter, that was just pure fandom. Um, but it was just so cool to be able to watch him 
is like a little maniacal, like evil genius kind of uh, mm. when you see him on the court. But it, you know, he had that smile that it just was electric, and you're like, dang, like this dude is is out of his mind, but it's so cool. So. Over the last two seasons, what was your interaction like with him as as a working professional? He and his daughter when they would come to Staples Centers for Staples Center, excuse me, for games. Unfortunately, I never got a chance to meet him. Actually, um, and I always had that circled on my list. I was like, I'm going to interview him in a one on one setting. That's going to be my golden moment, and um, you know, devastated selfishly that it never happened and um, actually the last time that I was around him prior to him coming to the Laker game uh, this past this this season was I went to his Mamba Academy and he hosted a basically women in sports day where he had all these young girls um, do basketball clinics and it was run by uh, women in sports uh, executives from various like the Sparks and the Clippers and the Lakers and yet Cappy Pondexter obviously WNBA legend um, and Beetle Michelle Beetle was the moderator of a panel that they hosted afterwards and he, and he just talked so passionately about women's sports and you know I that his, his legacy will continue to live on but his passion for his daughters and for women's sports in general um, definitely motivated me to even step up my reporting of, you know, women's sports and um, realizing how important his, you know, the impact of, of just touching, a, a, you know, another young lady um, in whichever way, you know, you can, and whether that's to support them through coverage or, you know, um, you know, going out to a clinic to volunteer, whatever it is. But I just realized just how important it was. Um, so, uh, and, and to see this him and his interaction with Gigi, I, I remember watching them courtside. I had a pretty good uh, view of their seats that game when they were, uh, he was breaking down a play to her and you could see him mouthing it. And um, my, I had my binoculars because I was like just keying in on them and just watching them. And he was, he would, uh, you know, go to different celebrities. I think Kevin Hart was at the game and he, you know, got his daughter to take a picture with Kevin Hart and stuff. It was just like, you know, so heartwarming to see Kobe the dad, you know. Um, so yeah, those are some of my, latest memories and then I found a, a, a video recently of him talking to I think it was Reggie Miller and Reggie was like oh yeah I'd like Gigi needs to come to UCLA and he was like Kobe was like oh she has her mind made up bro like she's, she's not going to UCLA sorry um, but yeah just um, I'm glad that I even got to be around the greatness and the legend, my one of my all-time idols, that is Kobe. The Black Mamba, the 13th pick in the 1996 NBA draft. Yes, we Lower Marion High School. Yes, sir. I mean, yes, I, I, went, I went to college down the street from Lower Marion High School. Really? Where'd you go? Went to a school called Eastern University, which is on the main line of Philadelphia. It's like the suburbs. It's like being in... in Maybe like Orange County or like Pasadena, but didn't that, oh. that hit in LA. 
and and um, like when I went to school, I, I, I worked downtown and um, you know went to school out there. It's, it's down the street from Villanova with Josh Hartman. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. I um I didn't know that. I've heard of the school, but I never knew where it was located. Yeah, it's the Philadelphia suburbs. So like, um, Villanova. There's there's a there's a mall in that area called King of Prussia Mall. It's the biggest mall on the East Coast. Um, it's the second biggest mall in the country. King of Prussia Mall is nearby. Nova University is nearby there. Um, Philadelphia is minutes away. Um, it's it's the it's the Philly suburbs, but um, Lower Marion their 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 mascot is the Aces, and they Lower Marion like they 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 ran they still run uh, high school basketball in that area. I've heard stories of. Rip Hamilton and, and, and Kobe Bryant going at it in high school because they're both from Pennsylvania. Wow. Uh, uh, Hamilton went to Coatesville High School and then Kobe went to Lower Marion. Those are both uh, public high schools. And um, Lower Marion, like when I went to, when I went to school there and I found out Lower Marion was like nearby, I, I, I'm gonna be honest with you, you gotta be shitting me. Like I, I couldn't wait to go. Right. That's. I mean, that's definitely on my list. I have to. Uh, just to feel the magic, but um, whenever all of this clears up, hopefully. Yeah, you gotta go visit Low Marion. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a basketball factory. Wow, really? Still? Yeah, like when Kobe passed away, like they did a video tribute at the school, just like they did at Staples Center. Wow. Like they, Kobe was like, like wasn't nobody checking for the Low Marion like that. Um, right in the sense of like like there are people I know that are from New York that came to that that lived with someone just so that they could go to Lower Marion. That's okay, so it's one of those schools. Got you. But it's still a but it's still a it's still a local high school. Like it's a township high school. So like you have people who live in the town of Narborough or the town of Ardmore or like the town of um that it's a township high school, so you have a bunch of people who go to that school from different towns. So, um, Bala Kenwood, which is like right next to it's like adjacent to um, Overbrook. You've heard of Overbrook High School? Yep. So there's a train. There's an Overbrook train. It's like Bala Kenwood is right next to Overbrook. That's that's considered West Philadelphia. That's where. That's where Will Chamberlain went to high school, Overbrook High School. So Balakin was all that area. If you lived out there, you went to Lower Marion High School. Wow, you're just like an encyclopedia for basketball. I get that a lot. <laughs> I get that a lot. But seriously, like Lower Marion, like when I when I heard that that code that that like we were right by there, like I couldn't wait to go to that gym. Definitely on my list. You gotta go. I have to. Scoopy Radio on the line with Low Jones. Um, I think I asked all the questions I have for you. You've, you've definitely been a wealth of knowledge as well. Um, just watching what you're doing with the Lakers and and um, really and truly, um, I, I admire uh, your social media presence and that Laker Nation shows you love and, and that's a and that's a great thing, particularly as a, a woman of color making making strides and making things happen in, in your in your city. I respect it. I appreciate that immensely. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was fun. 
Of course. Of course, man. Where can everybody check out everything that you have going on? Yes, you guys can follow me on all social platforms at Lojo Media, L-O-J-O Media. And uh, keep posted on the LA Sentinel for new content. That'll work. Ma'am, you're off the hot seat. Oh, phew. Okay. <laughs> I'm not used to this side. So, appreciate it. I value you. Enjoy the rest of your day, ma'am, and we will definitely talk soon. Yes, you too. Stay safe. Scoop B Radio. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.